0: Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. It is always good when I'm out here with you guys. I love it. I tell you what, like Sam said, if you don't know who I am, my, my name's Tim. Uh, Steph and I, we lead Life Church in Grand Haven. And you know, it's actually pretty hard at times leading a church out in Grand Haven. I mean, like for us, we, we reached the loss by walking down the boardwalk and, you know, like we're eating prono Pups and and taking on this sun, and it's just a tough life out in Grand Haven, you know, but it's one of those things, we're here just to serve, you know, we're here for the people, and and if that's what my life looks like, just sacrificing myself in the sun, down on the beach, down on Lake Michigan, someone's got to do it, someone has got to do it, I'll tell you what, but it is great being out here with you, it is, and hey, like you can see on the screen, we are going to kick off a series tonight called Samson and the power of. And we're looking at the life of Samson. And we're gonna look at the life of Samson and it's called Samson and the power of because Samson was a very powerful man who was called to live a very powerful life. Now, one of the interesting things about Samson is, is we've all heard about Samson. I mean, we've all heard about him, but I think not many people actually know a lot about Samson. I mean, we hear stories of his incredible feats of strength. We hear stories of what happened when the Holy Spirit teamed up with him and he went out and just did these incredible, incredible things. But a lot of the time, we don't know why it was that the Holy Spirit gave him this strength. We don't know what on earth he was here for. We don't know what his calling in life was. We are not throughout this series, we're going to look at all of this. We're going to find out why it was that Samson, was so equipped with this incredible strength. We're gonna look at the plans and the purposes that God had for him. We're gonna look at the things that Samson did well. We're gonna look at a whole bunch of things that Samson did not do well. And this is one of the interesting things about Samson. I mean, we hear of Samson, we read about Samson in the Hebrews chapter 11, Hall of Faith. Like Samson's a big deal. Samson made a bit of a mess of his life. And if you know the story, the more you read about Samson, the more crazy Samson's life becomes. And so we're gonna dig into it. We're gonna dig into Samson's life. And and our hope and our prayer throughout this series is that as we do dig into Samson's life, we're gonna be able to pick up on some of the strengths that he had in his life so we can apply them to ours. And we're gonna also avoid some of the pitfalls in Samson's life. So we don't have to make the same mistakes that he did. But one thing I do wanna encourage everyone to be doing is when it comes to this series, Samson and the Power of, is to not just let it be a Wednesday night deal. Don't let it be something where you turn up to church on a Wednesday night, you, you engage in worship, you hear a message and then you just go home and you leave it at that. I wanna encourage every single person to be reading along throughout the life of Samson throughout this series. Samson's life, it kicks off in Judges chapter 11, and and it comes to a close in Judges chapter 16. It's four verses. So I want to encourage you to be reading through Judges chapter 13 to 16. Read the verse, the the chapters leading up to it so you can see what was going on in in the world just before Samson arrived. Read Read the chapters after so you can see what the results of his life were, but whatever you do. Don't let this just be a series that you listen to and then go home and do nothing with. Make sure that you're picking up your Bible, you're getting into the Word in your own time and you're following along to get as much out of this series as possible. You know, before, we, before we go into Samson's life, I, I do wanna have a quick look at what was going on in, 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 Samson, in, in the world at that moment. See, Samson was an Israelite. Okay? And as an Israelite, God's plan for the Israelites that they were gonna be a people set apart for him. And so the plan was that the Israelites, they'd be doing everything that God had called them to. God told them to live a certain way. And when they did live live that certain way, they would be so blessed because of it. They'd be living just how God had called them to. And because they did, they'd have all of the fruit of that in their life. And so the plan was that Israel would live as God had called them to, and they would be extremely blessed because of it. And because they were so blessed, all of the surrounding nations, they'd all look to Israel And they'd wonder what on earth was so different about them. They'd look at the nation of Israel and see so much blessing and see so much fruit in their lives and they would want what they had. And so all of the nations would look at Israel and in turn would wanna turn to God for themselves. This was the plan. So they would live God's way. They'd be extremely blessed. Everyone would see it, would want what they would have, would turn to God, and it would just be fantastic. The only problem was Israel kept messing it up. I mean, God had this awesome plan, but Israel kept messing up. And at this point in the story, when Samson comes in, they're messing up again. And I'm like, Israel, they're not a, they haven't been around for a tremendous long time at, the, at this moment. This is the seventh time that they have messed up. And they found themselves in this cycle where they'd be chasing after God, they'd be living His way, they'd see all of His fruit and His blessing in their life and then they'd mess up. And because they would mess up, they'd start chasing after other things, they'd kind of put, put God to the side, they'd start doing their own thing in life and as soon as they turned away from God, they'd open a door for the surrounding nations to come in and overtake them. And so the nations would come in and they'd take over and they'd take control of all of the ground. They'd put the people in slavery. And then the people of Israel would realize what they did. And they'd turn back to God and they'd cry out to God. God would come and rescue them. The nations would get kicked out. And this cycle would happen again. So this is cycle number seven. Okay, so just in case you ever think that you're messing up in life, these guys are the freshest nation out and they have messed up seven times already. So don't think that you're all that bad. But this is when Samson comes onto the scene. And this is why Samson was such a big deal because Samson was the guy that everyone was waiting for. I mean, it was kind of like when you're sitting in church sometimes and, and like you're trying to understand what the dude on stage is saying, but it's just not really connecting. And you've had a big week and you're really tired and you got here late so you couldn't get the coffee. And you're sitting through service and you're just trying to keep your eyes awake. You know, you're pushing through trying to make it. But then you see a musician start walking on stage and you know what that means, when the musician starts to come back on stage, service is almost done, baby, we're in the home stretch. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Is it just me? Whatever, you know what I'm talking about. You're out there polishing your halos. Come on, man, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This was Samson to Israel. I mean, these guys, the nation of Israel had been in oppression. They'd been taken over by the Philistines at this point in time. And they'd been waiting and waiting. They'd been crying out to God for someone to come and rescue them. And finally, Samson was here. Samson was the guy that everyone was waiting for. You see, before Samson was even born, we read in Judges chapter 13, before Samson was even born, an angel of the Lord appears to Samson's mother and tells, him, she says, tells her, she said, hey, Samson's coming. You're gonna have a son. He's gonna be called Samson and he's gonna take the lead. He's gonna lead the way in setting free the Israelites from oppression. So everyone was waiting for Samson. You now, Samson was a Nazarite, which basically meant that his life would be set apart for God. His whole life was gonna be sold out and dedicated to seeing God's will come into his world. His name literally meant sunshine. And so in a time where it was one of the darkest moments in Israel's history, all of a sudden sunshine was coming on to the scene. So everyone, everyone was ready for Samson. He was a big deal. He had a huge call of God on his life. He had a whole lot of potential. The expectations were high. But just because Samson had potential, just because Samson had a calling, it was never enough to see God's best come about. And because Samson over and over again chose to do life his own way instead of God's way, we see all of the potential in Samson's life go to waste and we see him not take a hold of nearly, nearly close to what God had in store for him. But I think this is one of the, one of the great things about Samson's life. You see, Samson's really relatable. I'm not sure if you're like me. Sometimes I find myself reading the Bible and I read about the heroes of the faith. I mean, you read about the guys in Hebrews chapter 11 and these are like the all time greats in the Bible and they do just some absolutely incredible things. We read about Nehemiah who rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. We read about David, who killed the the giant Goliath. We read about Joseph, who went from being a slave. He went from being in prison to leading a nation. We read about Joshua, who marched around a city and saw whole walls fall down. I mean, we read about these greats. And sometimes if you're anything like me, I feel that I read these stories and I can learn a lot from them and I can be inspired by them but I can also feel like I could never be like these guys. I mean, how could a guy like me ever live up to this standard, this Hebrews chapter 11 standard? I don't don't have faith like these guys. I don't have courage like these guys. I don't always make the best decisions like like these guys always do. I mean, these guys are in a whole another class of their own. How could I ever be like them? I'm not sure if you ever read the Bible and, and think the same way that I do. But then we read about Samson, who is also in Hebrews chapter 11. And you read about the life of Samson and all of the mess ups that he made, all of the failures, all of the shortcomings. And then you read about him in the Hebrews chapter 11 hall of faith. And you start to think, how on earth did somebody like that end up there? But this is one of the great things about about Samson. Because I feel like I can't really relate to the other guys but I feel like I can relate to Samson. In fact, I think all of us can relate to Samson a little bit. I mean, we all know what it's like having expectations placed on us by other people. A lot of us have been raised in a godly home and we know what that background is like. We all know what it's like to be tempted by the opposite sex like Samson was. At times, we all struggle with wanting vengeance and revenge on people who have done us wrong. We don't always have the most consistent walk with God. We know what Samson was like and when we read about his shortcomings and his failures and his mess ups and then we read about him in the Hebrews chapter 11 hall of faith, it almost seems like a Samson can do it. Then maybe so can I. And this is one of the great things about Samson's life. This is one of the things that we're gonna learn when we look at at his life. You know, I truly believe that there's probably a little bit of Samson in in all of us and a whole lot of Samson in most of us. You know, this goes for the call of God as well. You know, if we look at Samson's life, he had more potential than probably anyone else in history up until this moment in time. I mean, he was announced before he was born. He was the only one that had the Holy Spirit teamed up with him to do these incredible things. He had an incredible call of God on his life. But just because the call was there and just because he had potential, it was never enough to see God's best come about in his life. You know, for you and I today, we need to understand that we are in the exact same position as Samson. We all have godly potential in our life. God has a call on each and every single one of our lives. We are all here with a purpose. There is a meaning for our existence, but just because it's there, just because it's there, it does not necessarily mean that it is gonna come to pass. You know, I love in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it says that we are God's masterpiece. It says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us Long ago, in Ephesians 3, verse 20, it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And John 14, it says, very truly, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things because of, uh, than this because I am going to the Father. We need to understand that godly potential is in our lives. We need to understand that Jesus has done everything that he needed to to make sure that we could take a hold of everything that God has for us in our lives today. The call that God has on your life right now, you can fulfill it. What he has for you, you can live it out. But just because it's there doesn't mean that it's automatically going to happen. You see, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he speaks directly to this. And this is what he says in Philippians chapter three. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In 2 Timothy 4 verse seven, he says, I have fought the good fight. He says, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know, when Paul talks about godly potential and when Paul talks about the call of God on his life, he talks about it's something that needs to be strained for and fought for. He talks about these things like it takes effort to take a hold of them. And that's because it does. The reality is, if we are going to see God's best come alive in our lives, we need to be chasing after it. You know what, an equal truth is the fact that we have got a very real enemy who wants to do everything that he can to stop us from taking a hold of it. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind, so that your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, we do have an enemy who is fighting against us, but the good news, the great news is we have a God who is fighting for us. We have a God who doesn't just have a plan and a purpose for our lives. He hasn't just placed a call on your life specific to you, but He actually wants to be a part of seeing it come about. He doesn't just say, hey, here's a call on your life. This is what I've got for you. Good luck with that. Go figure it out. Man, this is what the Bible says. 1 John 4 verse 4, it says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Hey, he has given you a call. He has given you a plan. He has a purpose for your life. And he He comes alongside you to make sure that you have everything that you need to see it come about. You know, I love the fact that even though God is is in our lives and wanting to see his call and his plans come about, I love the fact that even when we mess up, even when we make mistakes, even when we purposefully run from God, it never stops God from sticking to us. You see, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And I wanna look at this for a moment because God makes it very clear that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, it doesn't say that he will never leave you nor forsake you unless you do this. Well, he will never leave you, nor forsake you, unless you do that. One of the great things about God, and we see this all the way throughout Samson's life, is that Samson, he messed up time and time again. Every time Samson messed up, every time he chose to live outside of God's will for his life, we see God there, ready, waiting for Samson to turn back to him. And we see that every single time Samson does, every time he makes a decision to turn away from his own ways and turn back to God, we see God come back and move in his life. And Samson does absolutely incredible things, but that's so good to know. Because if you're here tonight and you find yourself in a place similar to Samson, maybe you have turned from God. Maybe you've rebelled against God. Maybe you've been running from God. You need to understand that no matter how hard you've been running, no matter how hard you've rebelled, no matter what it is that you've been doing and going towards and chasing after, you need to know that no matter what you have done, it is never enough to separate you from God. And just like Samson, every time he turned back to God, God was there waiting with open arms, ready for him to engage with him once again. I love it. Deuteronomy 31. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, we see this the whole way throughout the Bible. We see God using people who didn't have it all together. We see God using people who made mistakes and messed up. You see, in Exodus, we read of God using Moses, who at one point in his life was on the run for murder. Now, in the book of Samuel, we read about God using David, who was just a young shepherd boy, and he took this young guy, and he turned him into a king. In the book of Acts, we read that God takes a guy called Saul, who was sold out to destroying the early church. God got a hold of his life. He turned it around, and he became one of the biggest pioneers of the early church. Hey, you need to know in your life, no matter what it has looked like so far, no one's ever run too far from God. No one's ever rebelled too hard. Hey, there's absolutely nothing in your life today that can separate you from God. Now, this is what the Bible says. Romans eleven twenty nine. it says that the gifts and the calling of God, they're irrevocable. In Psalm 33, it says, the plans of the Lord stand firm forever the purposes of his heart through all generations. Hey, the promises of God, they don't come with an expiration date. They don't come with, the, with exclusions. Hey, let me tell you, you have everything you need right now, today, to take a hold of everything that God has for you in your life. You know, 2 Timothy 2, one more verse is when we're talking about this, it says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Hey, when we're unfaithful to God, he still remains faithful to us. And I love it. We look at the life of Samson. At times, he was sure unfaithful to God. At times, he chose to do his own things. He purposely, he went out of his way to rebel. But he never rebelled so hard that he could never turn back to God. And it's so cool to see because here's Samson. He had so much potential on his life. God had such a big call. And God had given him everything he needed to take a hold of it. And as long as Samson chose to chase after it, he saw it come about. The unfortunate thing is that Samson chose not to. You know, it's funny because there's another guy in the Bible as well, in the Old Testament, a guy called Gideon who, who was the opposite of Samson. I mean, Samson started out with all of this potential and ended up doing nothing with it. But then there's this guy called Gideon who started out with nothing, but ended up doing everything. And it's a really cool story. We read about it in Judges chapter 6, and this is what it says. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizurite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my lord. I'm pretty sure Gideon was British. Pardon me, my lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And so at this point in time, Gideon finds himself in a very very similar spot to Samson. Once again, Israel is rebelling. Once again, nations have come in and taken over. Now, once again, God is ready to move on their behalf. Samson had all the potential. Gideon had seemingly none. Samson did nothing with what he did have and, saw, and, and missed out on God's call. Gideon did what he could with what he had and he saw God's call come alive on his life. And it's interesting because if you look at Samson, he, he would have got the most likely to succeed award. Anyone remember that award when, when it came to your yearbook in school? Who, who thought of that? Who thought of that award? Because honestly, I th- for me, I think I would have been like Gideon. Gideon definitely got the least likely to succeed award. <laughs> And that would have been me and my friends. I mean, when it came to us in, in school and even in college, I and mean, when it came to school and studying and application and applying ourselves, I tell you what, we had one out of three. We didn't have the school thing going on. We didn't have the study thing going on. But we did apply ourselves to the important things in life, like skateboarding and surfing I remember in school, man, I'd, I'd wake up and I'd, I'd be walking out my driveway to go to school and mum would look out the window and see Dave, my best mate, turn up in the car with my surfboard already strapped to the roof. And I'd have to try and convince my mum, mum, it just looks like my surfboard. Tim, why have you got your wetsuit? It might rain, mum, I don't know. <laughs> but I tell you what, when, when it came to me growing up, I know that No one looked at my life and said to somebody else, man, I can't wait to see what this guy's gonna do with his life. I can't wait to see this guy take on the world. No one said that about me. And I know that no one said that about Gideon. But that's what's so cool about Gideon. Because you know, there are people in life and they have all the potential. We all have that friend that's just good at everything. No matter what they put their hand to, they just succeed. You know what I mean? You start up a new sport with them. They're three weeks in and they're already sponsored. You're like, what is happening right now? They're just good at everything. But then there are other people, for some reason, just aren't good at everything. And the great thing is, you know, we read of God wanting to use the guy with potential. We read that God wanted to use the guy that had all the gifts and all the talents and everything going for him. But we read that God also uses the guy that didn't have the potential. And in fact, the potential had nothing to do with it. What it came down to was what people did with what God had given them. And it's so cool because if we look at the life of Gideon, the guy who had nothing, the guy who came from the least family, and out of that least family was the lowest there was there. I mean, this guy came from the bottom. But this guy, God told him, you go in the strength that you do have. He didn't say, hey, look at Samson, go and be like him. He didn't say, hey, look at the guy with the skill and try and be like him. He said, no, hey, go in the strength that you do have. And do you remember what God said? He said, don't worry, I will be with you. And when it comes to God's call in our lives today, this is what we need to understand. We don't need to be like anybody else. We don't need to be more like the gifted person. We don't need to be more like the cool person or the popular person. We don't need to be like the guy that has everything going on. We don't have to be the guy that's always getting the promotion. We don't have to be the one who's always getting the high distinction. God says, go in the strength that you have. And when we look at Gideon, he went in what seems like the very little strength that he had but in the little strength that he had and the power of God with him. I tell you what, we saw Gideon go out and completely changed his world. And when it comes to the call of God on your life, you may feel a little bit like Gideon. You may feel like you don't have a whole lot going on. Maybe you don't have the best history. Maybe you haven't made the best decisions. But just like God says to Gideon, go in the strength that you have, He says that to us today. He says, don't try and be someone else. Don't try and move in strength that you don't have. Don't try and be somebody that's not yourself. Go in the strength that you do have. And when we combine the strength that we do have, when we combine what God has already given us and allow God to come alongside our lives we will see God move in our world like never before but this is a choice that we all have to make God's given us a call God's got a plan for our lives we know this God makes it clear but what are we going to do with it are we going to get so caught up in what we don't have that we choose to do nothing with what we do Are we gonna look at what God has given us? Are we gonna allow God to use it? Are we gonna go out into our world? Are we gonna take it by storm and see our world completely impacted by Jesus Christ? Hey, church, let me tell you, you have what it takes. You have what it takes to see God move in our world today, whether it's your family at home, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's when you're out with your friends. Hey, when we allow God to take the little that we have, We see great things happen. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 1 said. It says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Doesn't matter how much or how little strength you have. God says, go in the strength that you do have. He says, he will be with you and we will see him move in our world. Hey, you know, if I could get everyone just to close your eyes for a moment. You know, tonight we've been talking a lot about the call of God and God's plans and purposes for our lives. And one of the great things about our God, like we've said already tonight, it's the fact that God truly does have a plan and a purpose for every single one of our lives. And let me tell you, if you have not been living according to it yet, if you have not allowed to come into your world yet, if you do not have a relationship with God, the cool thing is, is that all those years ago, God sent Jesus Christ into our world. And Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on a cross and He rose again. And when He did that, He made a way for you to have a real relationship with Him. He took all of our messed ups in life. He took all of our mistakes. He took all of our sin, all of our shortcomings. And what Jesus did, He took it upon Himself and He nailed it to that cross. And He paid a price for our sin so that we wouldn't have to. And when he did that, he made sure that there would be absolutely nothing in your life today that could possibly separate you from God. And if you're here and you do not have God in your life tonight, I would love to give you an opportunity to change that. And maybe you are here. and Maybe you have heard all about God. Maybe you have heard all about Him. You've heard Him on the radio. You've heard Him in church services. Maybe you grew up hearing about Him. You've heard all about Him but you don't actually know Him. Hey, if that's you, maybe you never even realized that you could know God, that you could have a real, genuine, authentic relationship with God. Hey, if that's you and tonight, you wanna make a decision to start a relationship with God for the very first time, I would love to be able to pray with you. Or maybe you're here and you know that at one point in time, you had a relationship with God. But for whatever reason, you know that right now, that's not what it's meant to be. Maybe you are a little bit like Samson where you did start out knowing God, but for some reason you just got off course. Now, the reason you're not following God right now really isn't the issue. What is it, the fact that tonight you can pick that relationship back up again? And if you're here tonight, you wanna to start a relationship with God for the very first time or you wanna reconnect with Him in just a moment, I'm gonna to count to three. And if that's you, I'm gonna ask you just to slip your hand up in the air, just high enough and long enough so that I can see it. I'll acknowledge you, you can put it straight back down. I just wanna include you in a prayer in just a moment. So if that's you, and tonight you wanna to start a relationship with God for the very first time or you wanna reconnect with Him, on the count of three, just slip your hand up in the air. One, two, three. If that's you tonight, unreal, I see that hand. That's cool, yep, another hand up the back here. If there's anyone else, yep, a hand in the middle. That's cool. Their are hands going up all over this place. If there's anyone else, you want to start a relationship with God for the very first time or you want to reconnect with them? So in this final moment, just slip your hand up in the air. I'd love to be able to pray with you. Cool. All right, well, everyone's eyes are closed everyone's heads are bowed. Like I said, I wanna say a prayer with you. And what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna say a prayer. It's a prayer inviting God into our lives. And I would love it if our whole church family would, we'd pray this prayer together, but especially, especially those of you who just, just raise your hand to, to make that decision. So church, let's pray together. If you could repeat after me. Dear God, I thank you that you love me so much that you would send your only son, to die for me I thank you that from this moment I'm forgiven I'm set free I'm washed clean and tonight God I invite you into my life and I thank you that from here on out we're doing life together Amen For more information about Res Life please visit our website at reslife.org if you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.